Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, today. And uh, I want to continue along the lines of this that we have been on. We uh, have called it Anointed for Authority. And uh, I think this is the 14th installment. And uh, we have been looking at our authority and the way the authority operates, where it came from. We spent several weeks on that. And uh, we've been looking recently at things that hinder our authority, things that, that, that hinder the operation of it. Uh, you know, there, there are things that uh, my wife calls it inoculations, all right, that, that you minister and it inoculates you against whatever may be coming. You know, we, we are in a time right now when vaccines are in the news a lot. And uh, 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 I'm not going to preach on that, but uh, the, the, the point is, is, you know, the point of a vaccine is, you know, when you get a vaccine shot, you know, most generally you don't have what you're being vaccinated against. But it's there for if that comes into your body or tries to attack your system or whatever the case may be. And it's designed to give you the antibodies or the building blocks to fight it off. Now, ever what you think about vaccinations, here's the point. There are things that believers need to hear. And, and right, and, and whether I'm, I'm doing it or not doing it, if I'm not doing what I'm hearing, I can start doing it. And if I am doing it, praise God, it strengthens my resolve. Amen. But there are things I need to hear. When you come to church, you don't want to always be looking to hear something new. Right, something that you've never heard before. Because quite frankly, you're never going to hear that. You're never going to hear just something you've never heard before. You might come and, and, and not be a believer and hear some things that you've never heard before. But eventually, the more you serve God and the more you live for God, you're going to get to the place where you're not always going to hear something you haven't heard. But if you keep pursuing the things of God and the things of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you out of things you've already heard. Amen. And so one of the primary requirements governing the operation of authority and we talked about some, this some Wednesday night that we have been given is faithfulness. Faithfulness. And uh, Hebrews chapter 3, you know, Jesus is the prototype. He is the model. The, the image of Jesus is what we're all attaining to. Amen. And, you know, that's not just a spiritual thing. It's we look at at what he did. We talked about obedience in this series and how Jesus was 100% obedient to the Father whereas Adam was 100% disobedient. And it took a man of obedience to come and get back for us what a man of disobedience lost. That's why Jesus said, I, I only do those things that please the Father. I only say those things that my Father says. I only do the things that my Father does. Right? He said things like, uh, uh, I must work the works of him that sent me. 
For the night is coming when no man can work. 100% obedient. Amen. It's, it's what stops pe some people from moving forward is they hesitate at what God asks. And when you hesitate at what God asks, you're, you, you, you stop. You can't move forward. Amen. So here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, notice it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, or our confession, Jesus, Christ Jesus, who was, notice this phrase, who was faithful to him that had appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who builded the house has more honor than the house. So notice this. The, the thing it says about Jesus is he was faithful to him, to the Father, that had appointed him or had called him. That word faithful, when we, when we look at the word faithful, it's, uh, it's faithful in transactions of business. Um, it's faithful in the execution of commands. And it also is uh, meaning faithful uh, in uh, carrying out official duties. The things that I've been asked to do. The things that I've been asked to be involved in. And uh, it also means worthy of trust or trustworthy. See, a faithful man can be trusted to do what he's been asked to do. This word faithfulness all through the scripture, it leans heavily on that word trust. All right, it leans, it leans heavily on the word trust. And the Bible says that Jesus was faithful. He was faithful to the one that appointed him. And notice something here. It says, this man, Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Notice how glory and honor are attached to faithfulness. If I'm faithful, the glory and the honor follow that. Hallelujah. And Jesus, as we said, is the prototype. He's the model. He is uh, the die that we're all cast from. Jesus is what we're becoming like. And Jesus was faithful. Amen. Say out loud, Jesus was faithful. See, that, 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 that's, that's the goal. You know, when I was a boy growing up in church, we used to sing a song that said, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I want is to be like Him, right? Well, I mean, it, it was kind of unbelieving because, because when you were born again, you were made like Christ. But you understand, I, I understand what the song meant. But if, if you take that and you apply it correctly, that's the goal is to be like Jesus, but here's what a lot of religious people do and Christian people do is they think to be like Jesus means perfection. Well, you're never going to be perfect in this earth. Nobody will be perfect. But here, here's the thing. What made Jesus perfect? And people say, well, he was born perfect. What, what kept it that way? Obedience. Faithfulness. Commitment to what the Father wanted. Amen. It was less about what Jesus desired and more about what the Father desired. Amen. And when the desires of God become your desires, 
then the things that God can do for you are amplified. But God's desires have to be my desires. Amen. And God's desires that we be found faithful. Why? Because His ultimate goal is to bring into our life everything that He promised, but there's some requirements. See, this no-fault religion is garbage. Not one amen. Well, you know, God understands and and He understands that. No, that's garbage. There are things that God says, I need you to exhibit this in your life. And when you exhibit that in your life, there's things I can do for you. But as long as, as that's not operating, there's going to be something held back. Amen. You know, when I worked in the, in the corporate world many years ago, there were times I would do quarterly reviews or yearly reviews or however, however it was with the employees that were uh, under my uh, 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 supervision. And, you know, uh, they, they, sometimes I would give reviews to employees that were good people. They were nice people. But you know what was holding them back? They couldn't show up on time. Or they were distracted real easy. And I would talk to them. I would say, you know, you know, your raise would probably have been more, but you're late all the time. It's not that you're not a good person. It's not that I don't like you. It's just I, I can't give you the same amount of raise when you won't, as I did Joe Bob, when you won't show up early. Right? Or, or you get distracted and you don't turn out the same amount of work. See, in the, in the generation we live in, it's like I deserve what everybody else is getting regardless of how I act and regardless of what I put out. I can be lazy and won't work, but I want everything you have and you owe it to me. No, we don't. <laughs> That's not how it works. Amen. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? And so God says, I need you to be faithful so I can produce this glory and honor in your life like was in Jesus' life, but you have to follow the same pattern. Amen. Oh, glory. Look here at 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. He said, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Do you see that? It's required. That, that word require, when you, you see that word require, it means this is what is sought for in, in a, a steward, in a manager, in somebody that's been given a gift to take care of. Now you understand the stewardship here is over the mysteries of God, the gospel. It's, it's not that we're not owners or, or that we don't have authority. It's just there's things God gives us and he expects us to steward it. And Paul said it is required or sought for in those that have a responsibility given to them by God, that they be found faithful. Found faithful. 
Now that's important. Because that word found, it means discovered, recognized, or seen. Discovered, recognized, or seen. So that leads us to understand faithfulness is discovered or recognized over a period of time. If I meet you for the first time, I have no way of knowing if you're faithful. If I talk to you twice, I have no way of knowing. It, it requires observation. It requires, it requires coming to know you and coming to know how you do things. Amen. And over a period of time, what is, what is, what is, what is displayed? Whether I'm faithful or not. And notice what Paul said. He said it is required. It is what is sought for where God's concerned that a person that has been given a responsibility, a person that's been given authority, that they be found faithful. Hallelujah. As responsibilities are given, faithfulness is proven. Faithfulness is proven. As, 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 as I show myself faithful in one place, more responsibilities are given. Hallelujah. You know, nobody just, show, no, nobody just uh, uh, if you take the ministry, for example, nobody just one day decides to pastor a church and boom, it's just, it's just there. It's, it's proven over a time of faithfulness. Not, and, and I don't just mean in the small things. The small things are important. Uh, but but here's, here's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be clichéic or elementary, but you don't, just, you don't just become the leader overnight. There was a, a pattern of faithfulness there. If there, if there wasn't, see, that's, that's why when we don't look for these things and we promote charisma and we promote talent and we promote, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the uh, 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 grandiose things that people look for, we miss something. The, the difference between many in the church in the generations past and the generation that we're in now, and when I say generation, I don't, I'm not referring to age group or people group. I mean the time we live in. The difference then was you can become a leader in the body of Christ now and never having proved anything. You understand? You just got to be charismatic. You just got to be talented. You just got to wear the right clothes. Amen. But that, that's not, that's why we see so many, if I can say it this way, ministers that have come up that have fallen into sin and fallen into immorality because nobody ever made them prove themselves. Amen. You got to prove faithfulness. Because anointing and charisma can take you somewhere that your lack of faithfulness won't keep you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's more important to me that the people coming to my church, ever how many there may be, know that I'm faithful and have integrity and have honor and will do the right thing. It's more important to me that that occurs than to have an explosion of growth and be somebody that nobody can count on. Hallelujah. 
Do you see that? And so people will say, well, what's wrong with the church? Well, number one, nothing's wrong with the church. Not the church. There are parts of what people say are the church that there's a problem with. Well, why isn't the church operating in authority? Why isn't the church doing this? Why isn't the church investigate these things? You can't see consistent authority operating in a body or in a church when there's no faithfulness. Not just behind the pulpit, but with the people. You can't consistently see the blessings of God and the working of God and the power of God in your life if you're not going to be faithful. Amen. Amen. Consistent results require consistent faithfulness. I, I, I want it to be consistent. In your marriage, things have to be consistent. You can't be a grump one day and nice the next day and grumpy half the day and nice half the day and then grumpy three quarters of the day, right? You need consistency. People have to know what to expect from you. God has to know what He can expect from you and I. And He has to be able to expect faithfulness because it's required. Now, faithfulness is not just showing up and being at church. You can be here every Sunday and be an unfaithful person. Because faithfulness involves your attitude. It involves your mindset. It involves what you say. Amen. You know, if somebody came up to me and said, uh, you know, and, and I'm talking to them, and, and they said, uh, uh, you know, do you know Ron Swagger? And I said, well, yeah, I know, I know Pastor Ron. And then they, they started talking about him. If I don't go, up, up, stop, right. Right. I'm unfaithful. Yeah. yeah, but it don't matter what they said. It does matter what they said. Because he's not there to defend himself. He's my friend, and more importantly, my brother in Christ. Is that right? Well, what if it's true? It might be true, but I'm not going to be unfaithful by listening to it. Do you see that? That's important. Because that, that will affect my authority. That, because that affects my love walk. That, expects, that, expect, that, that, that affects how I'm going to view Him. Amen. Right? Remember what Pastor always used to say? My ears are not garbage cans. Right? Hallelujah. I'm helping you. And so you can show up and you can be involved and you can help out in a department and you can sing and you can work in children's ministry or AV or on the greeters or whatever. Check your heart. I want to do this because I'm being faithful. Because I have the right attitude. You know, David was considered faithful. And notice what David said. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He understood that my faithfulness is shown and exhibited throughout my attitude. Amen. Glory to God. And that's not because anybody has a bad attitude. It's just, I've seen people and they'd say, well, I'm faithful, I'm there every time. Yeah, but when you're there, it's like prying you out of your seat with a crowbar. <coughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, it took us 45 minutes the other week to get you to smile. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? See, there's something about faithful people. If a faithful person does not want to be involved in something, they just say, I don't want to do it. Don't say you can't when you mean you won't. If you can't, you can't. But don't say I can't when you mean you won't. Can't because you don't want to. It's, 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 you will get more honor and respect from God if you just look at that person and say, I really don't want to do that right now. Okay, fine. Nobody will ask you again. But when you say, I can't, what do you mean? You, you can't because you can't walk or you can't drive or you just can't? You're not physically able? You can't? Or your job, you work too many hours or you got too much going on or whatever? I understand there's things people can't do. But when you say you can't, make sure it's because you can't. Not because you didn't want to. See, that's a faithfulness issue. Because when you say you can't when you could, you lied. If you say you don't want to, okay, that's fine. Somebody say, why aren't they helping? They don't want to, okay. But when you say, I can't, well, why can't they? That's my question all the time. Oh, glory to God. I told you this is inoculation. Amen. I've talked to people before and they say, I, I just, I just, I can't get along with my spouse. That's a lie. You can if you want. You can if you want. Well, they, they just won't do right. Well, then, they, I mean, I, I understand that. If somebody won't do right, then you're kind of off the hook. But here, here's my point. There, there are things people say I can't do when they can do them if they wanted to do them. And you're better off just saying, I don't want to do it. Every time I come to church, they ask me to do something. <laughs> then just put a tag on that says, I don't want to. And we just... Amen. Listen, a growing church is always looking for folk to do something. Amen. Ever what it may be. And, and I know we got good people in here and you all work hard and, and we appreciate it. But here, here's my point. Don't, don't do that. I learned a long time ago what Jesus meant when he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's it. Just yes or no. Can you help us? No, I can't. Or no, I won't. Or no, I'm not able. Okay. That's it. He said, anything other than that is sin. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Whatever God asks of us is a sacred trust. I'm being trusted by God in what God asked me to do. The anointings and the callings on your life, the, number one, the Bible says you can't repent of them. And number two, God trusted you when he gave them to you. I'm a steward over that. And whether I do it or not, I'm still going to give an account for what I did with it. Well, God can't hold me accountable because I never did anything. Yes, he can. He can hold you accountable for not doing what he asked you to do with what he gave you. Amen. I, I, was, I was praying uh, yesterday and, and this morning concerning this. And, and I've run into so... 
I've, I've run into, I say many, and that's a good word, I think, but many ministers in, in, in my tenure, in my time in full-time ministry. And it's kind of like they just want to walk away from what God asked them to do and act like they can just come back and pick it up whenever they want. Who says? Who says you'll get the chance? Who says God has to let you? Well, but you know God's a God of grace. He is a God of grace. But that God, that God of grace told Samuel when he was crying over Saul, he said, get up and don't cry over him anymore because I've rejected him. Wonder grace, God wouldn't reject us. That's not Bible. God, it's New Testament right here that we read that said God is looking for faithfulness in stewards. Is that right? He told, he told Eli, he said, my plan was to have your family be in the priesthood and over the house of God forever. He said, but not now. He said, matter of fact, be it far from me. Because those that honor me, I'll honor. Faithfulness and honor go hand in hand. If you're faithful to God, you honor God. If you honor God, you're faithful to God. I've had people get upset with me over the years and say, you're just, you're just too strict. You're just, you're just, you're just too, you drive too hard. And, and I'm thinking, God asked me to do something and, and you look at the drive in my life and say, I'm driving too hard. How can you drive too hard to be faithful to what God asked you to do? Amen. I've had people look at me and say, well, I just can't be involved in the church because, you know, being involved in the church doesn't give me any time for my family. That's a lie. That's a lie. There are seven days in a week, and you are not in church seven days a week. Most people that you know come to church once or twice a week. There's time. Amen. There's time. Did you watch a movie this week? Yeah. Watch two of them. So you gave four, you had four hours of time that you could have been with your family playing games, doing whatever. Now I'm, you see what I'm saying? You cannot be too faithful. You can't be too committed. Amen. My family has never hurt because of my commitment to God. Amen. We made, we, my, my son played on the same soccer team as Marie's son. And we were there every Thursday night. We were in the stands watching Larry and Jean play soccer. Amen. We made every graduation, we made every recital, we made every flute concert, made them all. Had to work some things around, but we did it. Amen. Why? Why? Why is that? Because faithfulness to God produces faithfulness to your family. If you're not faithful to God, you can't be faithful to your family. If you're not committed to the things of God, you can't be committed to your family because you don't have it in you. Amen. When you're looking for a spouse, you're looking for a significant other, you're looking for a boy or a girl, right? Look for somebody faithful. Don't find somebody that kind of gives God a, a second glance. 
somebody that just kind of gives God, you know, a cursory, God bless you. Look for somebody that wants to be involved in the things of God. Somebody that's faithful. That person will be faithful to you. If he's not faithful to God, darling, he's not going to be faithful to you. And if she's not faithful to God, she's not going to be faithful to you. If God isn't first, they'll never put me first. Because it's the love of God in them that causes them to love me. Oh, glory. Do do, do you see that? And you can't just walk away and say, well, I'll just pick it up later. Maybe not. Amen. Now, (laughs) this includes, this faithfulness includes callings. It includes service. It includes tithing. It includes giving. All of these things are included in our faithfulness. In, in what I, I had a person tell me one time, family member one time, they got upset with me because we couldn't be at a certain event and uh, uh, because we had uh, an event going on at church. Well, we know how you are. Your church always comes first. Well, that's wrong. I've had other people, pre- I had, I've had other people preach so I'd go to my kid's graduation. I mean, that's not right. But here's the thing. In their mindset, any little thing that comes up, we'll just miss church for it. Any little thing. See, and that, that's reflected in their life. That's reflected in their life. Then God gets put to the back burner, but then when there's a problem, oh Lord, help me, but they got to get him off the back burner and get the fire going again. Right? It's better just to keep the fire going. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice, notice Matthew 25. Whew. Somebody said, Lord, thank you. He's moving away from that. Oh, we got some more. You know, I've watched this over the years. I remember when I was, uh, oh, 18, 19, I guess. Uh, I, I, I uh, was living in Amarillo, Texas, and uh, I was work. I say working at a church. I was working in a church, and uh, uh, me and about uh, oh, probably five or six other guys, about the same age, some a little older, some a little younger, and uh, uh, you know, I I look I look back on that group of young men, and man, there were some preachers in that group. They could preach. I mean, they they could preach the carpet up. You know what I mean? Good preachers, and. Uh, but I noticed something over the years. This faithfulness issue. It kept showing up. Amen. And you know, I've went to the Lord many times over the years, and I made this statement to him. I said, Lord, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not the most talented person. I'm not, I'm not the most charismatic person. I mean, but you've been so good to us. Amen. And the Lord told me something one time. He said, here's why. He said, because you, you always try to do what I tell you. And secondly, when you miss it, you repent from the heart and you move on and keep going. Amen. 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 I I watched over the years. Some of those guys ended up in prison. A lot of them ended up back in sin. And man, they were preaching guys full of the power of God, the Holy Ghost. What happened? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Amen. 
Matthew 25, verse 14, notice this. It says, hallelujah, concerning uh, this issue, it said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, which is Jesus, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Notice, he delivered his goods. His goods. They belong to him. Hallelujah. And then verse 14, he delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability or his particular ability, and straightway took his journey. So this particular ability, in other words, these men were qualified for what they had been asked to do. All right, this wasn't something that the master was asking them to do something they couldn't do. It's something they were qualified for. But notice something. Qualifications do not mean faithfulness. You can be qualified and be unfaithful. But if you're faithful, God will qualify you. Amen. Verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two gained other two. But he that received one hmm, went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now, there's something to see here. The Bible says this man had the ability to do what the master asked him. All of them had the ability to trade, to do business, to make more. But notice it said that uh, he digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He didn't even try. He was unfaithful and dishonorable to what he had been given. Right? We're, we'll read this in, in Luke in a, in a moment. But he said to one man, he said, he said to this man too, he said, you could have at least put my money in the, you could have at least honored what I gave you enough to put it in the bank so it would gain some interest. But you just dug a hole and buried it. That's dishonorable. Well, how, how would you feel if somebody, uh, 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 you gave somebody a very precious thing, right? And you know, when you give somebody something, you don't want the accolades and people to, to talk about it. But you know, if you give somebody, if I give somebody a nice watch, you know it blesses me to see them wearing it. Right? I, I give suits away all the time. And, and when I give a suit away, it blesses me to see somebody come in wearing that suit. Hallelujah. I, I wonder about it if I never see them wear it. Did they not like it? Did they not want it? But how would you feel if you went to that person's house and you'd given them something precious and they started to, you started talking about it? They said, oh yeah, it's back here. And they had to get a shovel and go dig it out of the ground. Oh, here it is. Do, do, do you see that? The, the things that God gives us, He wants us to produce with them. Is that right? Notice verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. Reckoneth with them. That's a powerful word. He's going to reconcile the books. 
God has not given people gifts and forgot that He gave them. He's not given us abilities and anointings and callings and then forgot that He handed those out to us. Amen. That there's a reconciliation that will arrive. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, you've delivered me two talents. I've gained two others beside them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Notice something. Both of these servants were called two things, good and faithful. Good and faithful. This is important. Because you can't just talk about, see what we hear a lot today. Well, you know, God thinks I'm good. God loves me just the way I am. Right, but there's faithfulness that goes with it. God does love you. God does view you as the righteousness of God. God views you as good. God views you as washed in the blood. But there's faithfulness that goes with it. Hallelujah. See, would they have received such great rewards if they'd just been good? No. Because the master was looking for something more than just being good. He was looking for faithfulness. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. See, the, the, the good thing is, if I find I haven't been faithful, I can start being faithful. Amen. And if I'm being faithful, I can rejoice because praise God, the reward's on the way. Amen. Hallelujah. Say that. I say, Lord, you can trust me. Say it one more time. Say, Lord, you can trust me. See, this is so important. He was looking for something more than just being good. He said, you've been good and faithful. And because you've been good and faithful, I will make you ruler over many things. Notice, let's look at something in Luke 16. And uh, verse uh, 10. This is, uh, of course, the account of, of, of what we refer to as the unjust steward. But notice what Jesus said. He said two things here. Uh, verse 10. He that's faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. And he that is unjust in least is unjust in much. Then he said in verse 12, And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? So, so notice, again, it comes down to faithfulness. And uh, my family, this applies to uh, obviously our church life, but our work life. It applies to our families. It applies to our marriages. It applies to uh, what you do as an employee. Amen. You know, there's an old saying that some people want to go to the stove and say, give me heat and I'll give you wood. You can't treat somebody faithful 
who's not faithful. Yeah, but I love everybody. Well, I love everybody too, but, but it's a, it's, 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 it hurts them to treat them like they're faithful when they're not. It hurts a child for you to act like they did what you asked them when they didn't. Amen. If you tell the child, go clean your room, go put up the toys, make the bed, right? Well, obviously, depending on what the age they are, it may be in, in, in any level of, of certain, you know, uh, composure. But, you know, you don't dance around the room when you go in there and the child says, come look what I did, and nothing's done. You don't go, yay! I'm promoting unfaithfulness. You did not do what I asked you to do. Yeah, but they don't know any better. And they'll never know any better if somebody doesn't teach them to be faithful. When you tell me you will do something, now your word is there and you need to do it. Yeah, but they did their best. Okay, that's good when they're three and four and five, but he's 21. Or 18 or 16 or whatever it may be. Am I, am I helping you? If you're not faithful to make your bed, how can I trust you to drive my car? Because you didn't do what I told you to do with the bed. And now I'm giving you the keys and saying you're not allowed to have more than one person in the car with you. You're not allowed to go here. You're not allowed to go there. You go where you say you're going and you come back. But that morning he didn't make his bed when I asked him to. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, that isn't that big a deal. It's unfaithfulness. He's not faithful in what is least. So how am I going to hand my new car to them and say drive it? Or how am I going to buy them a car when they won't make the bed? Well, what do I say? When you can be faithful taking out the trash and making the bed, we'll talk about a car. Till then, you can ride with me. Because I'm faithful. Yeah, but what do my friends think? I don't care. Parents, those are wonderful words. Every parent should have an IDC degree. I don't care. Yeah, but they'll think, they'll think I'm, I'm weird. I don't care. You'll get there. you get to see everybody. Eat some cake. Have fun. And I'll pick you up. Matter of fact, I'll even pick you up down the block so nobody will see you getting in the car. <laughs> Amen. One time one of our children did something that, that, that was, we didn't want them to do, and so I took their car. And they were upset. Well, how am I going to get to school? You'll ride with me. Well, where are you going to drop me up? Out front. <laughs> yeah, but everybody will see. I, I don't care. When I got in your car and found in your car what I asked you not to have in your car, that settled the issue. You violated my trust. Is that right? Oh, my goodness. And, and it doesn't matter what it is. If you ask your child not to be listening to a certain kind of music and you get in their car and that CD of that music is in the car, car's gone. 
No, it isn't that big a deal. They violated your trust. They lied to you. They were unfaithful to you. Do you see that? I'm not being hard on kids. I'm saying a lot of the problems that we face in generations is that there's a lack of honor and faithfulness taught and, and then you've got generations that have other generations and it just compiles. And what we're dealing with in the generation we live in is a lack of honor and a lack of faithfulness. That's how the administration on many different levels, and I'm not talking politics, but that's why, that's why a government leader can lie to you and look you in the eye and lie to you and tell you a lie and not worry about it. They're not faithful to you. They have forgot that government is for the people and by the people. They've forgotten those things. And the church is the steering wheel of a generation. It's the steering wheel of a nation. And if the church gets faithful, the world will get faithful. I have people say, do you think it's, we're too far gone? No, I don't think we're too far gone. I think the church will get the job done. But here's what I know. We've got to change our mindset about being faithful. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? When you, when you give yourself wiggle room, you're going to wiggle out. Right? I was praying about something one time. And, and, and it, I was praying about the increase in the things that God's asking us to do. And I, and I took the, the figures to the Lord. And I said, Lord, this is what it's going to cost. I said, you know, what needs to happen here? And here's, and here's what he said. He said, Philip, you have to increase. And I just, I didn't say anything. And he said, I'm not giving you any wiggle room. You have to increase. When, 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 when we deal with faithfulness in this manner, people have to be taught to be faithful. We talked about making the bed. Well, they, they did a horrible job. Well, don't just tell them they did a horrible job. Go show them how to do it right. Show them how to be faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? You know, one time I, I applied for a job. I was just, I was a younger man. And I applied for a job, and, and the, the, the manager of the department that I applied for, uh, he came, and uh, he introduced himself, and he stuck out his hand, and I just, I, I did what I was raised. I just grabbed his hand, shook his hand, looked him in the eye, said, pleasure to meet you, sir. And, uh, and you know, I got that job. And you know why he said? He said, because everybody else gave me a limp noodle handshake and wouldn't look me in the eye. You know what that means when you grab a person's hand and, and you, now I know we're in the elbow and fist and yeah, I understand, all right? But you understand what, you don't understand the, the premise. When you grab a man's hand and you shake him, you give him a good handshake and you look him in the eye, that used to mean I got nothing to hide. I can look you in the eye and I got nothing to hide. Faithful people have nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. Amen. To use the analogy of that child, they, they, they don't care if you go in the room when you're, they're not even there. If they've done what's right and they've been faithful, they don't care. And you can say, oh, your, your room looks great. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm going in your room. Go ahead. You know, they can come home. My, my, my kids would come home and find me going through their stuff. Well, it was a violation of their privacy. No, my house. My stuff. I bought that stuff. Not your stuff. It's my stuff. 
What do you mean? What do you mean your bed? You didn't buy your bed. It's my bed. I'm letting you use it. I'm glad I'm not charging you. Now I'm joking about that, but and one of one of my friends, uh, my one of my girl's daughter uh, friends came over. One of my daughter's friends came over one time, and uh, there was some stuff that I had not put up that was out on the on the dresser. She goes, "Oh, what's this?" She goes, "Oh, my dad's been looking through my stuff again." You know, I never found anything. Why? They knew I'd be looking. <laughs> Amen. Now my kids weren't perfect. They grew up with Marie's, so they weren't perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. But here's, here's the point. I'm, I'm getting off this. Just bear with me. We're still unfaithful in least. If that child won't be faithful to vacuum the carpet or clean the toilet or brush their teeth when you ask them to or tell them to, how are they going to be faithful in the big things? If they'll hide things from you and be unfaithful, they'll hide things from other people and be unfaithful. That's why the Bible says it's required that we be faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say out loud, I'm faithful. So he said, you've been faithful in the few things I've given you, and now I'll give you many things to rule over. Amen. Look at Matthew 24. Hallelujah. And uh, we, we were there just a moment ago. We're almost done here. Matthew 24, or 25, excuse me, and verse 24. Then he that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know that you're a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid, went and hid your talent in the earth, and there you have what is yours. Hmm. The Lord answered and said, you wicked and slothful servant. Notice, notice the difference. Good and faithful, wicked and slothful. Now that's not an indication of a personal bias from the, the master towards this servant. It's language that was brought about by his action. He acted this way. He acted wicked and lazy. The other two acted good and faithful. Notice, he said, You knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You ought to have taken my money to the exchangers, and at my coming I would have received my own with interest. Take the talent from him and give it unto him that has ten. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. For from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. You know, you know, the Greek says, that's what you thought, was it? If, and one, one translation says, if that's what you really thought about me, you would have put my money in the bank. The master wasn't this way. This is referring to Jesus coming back and reckoning with those that he's given talents and abilities and callings and giftings to. That's not how Jesus is. Notice, the first words out of this man's mouth were excuses. Well, I didn't do what you told me, but here's why. Do you know everything after I didn't do what you told me is irrelevant?
Think about that. What did he say? He gave them, him that talent, and he, according to his several ability, and asked them to make more. I didn't do what you said. Everything after that's irrelevant. Why is irrelevant? Because is irrelevant. And notice, he didn't say anything about himself. He blamed the master. You were a hard man. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And the master said, that's what you thought. If that's what you really thought, you'd have put my money in the bank. Notice that the, the reward, the blessing was taken from that unfaithful servant and given to the faithful servant. Because the Bible says, even in the book of Mark, chapter 4, concerning the word of God, it says, he that has the time of, of the, the, the amount of time and attention you give to the study of the word of God determines the level of, 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 of uh, blessing and revelation that comes back to you. And he says here, take from him and give to the faithful servant. Is that what he said? So the reward, the abundant blessing was taken from the unfaithful servant and given to the faithful servant. Now here's something to shout about. Everybody that's faithful will be given more. That's where you need to say, that's me. See, say it out loud. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. See, if I'm faithful, more's coming. More victory, more anointings, more callings. There are people that you see that as they get older, the anointing just seems to increase on them. Well, why is it increasing? Because they have become even more faithful. Over time, you should get more faithful, not less faithful. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Notice 1 Timothy 1. This is our last verse. 1 Timothy 1. Oh, hallelujah. You know, faithfulness, faithfulness makes up for mistakes. In the kingdom of God, you're put in for faithfulness and promoted for fruitfulness. But it starts with faithfulness. I had a couple come to the church one time, and I may have told you this, but I'll tell you again. And they were, they were expert musicians. I mean, this man showed me his resume, and it was quite impressive. I mean, he had done uh, television productions for, for uh, uh, Christian television networks and and I'd never met them before. They'd been going to a church of a friend of mine. They didn't know that, but I found out. And uh, they, they asked to meet with me on a Sunday uh, afternoon after church, so I met with them, and he gave me his resume. And I said, well, thank you. You know, I mean, this is unusual. You know, you give me your resume first time we meet. And, uh, but uh, uh, he said, uh, well, you know, we've done some productions, and we think we could do some great things here in the church. And uh, we'd just like to let you know that, that we'd like to do that. And I looked at his resume, and then I put it down, and I looked at him. I said, well, brother, I said, uh, I'm big on faithfulness. And I said, you and your wife come regular for about six months, and we'll see. Well, he kind of looked at me like I'd hit him with a wet rag. I am more concerned that when you stand before God, you hear well done, good and faithful servant, then that you get to use your talent in this church. 
if you're not faithful, you won't use your talent here. Because ever how talented or untalented somebody may be, they're doing what they're doing because they're faithful. And I'd rather have 14 people that were average where another person is concerned that are faithful than to have the best in the business and is unfaithful. Because I can take that 14 and take a city. An unfaithful person will always just be concerned about them. What do I get to do? Look at me. Put the light on me. Here's the problem with the light being on you. It shows all the flaws. That's that's why when you do TV, you put makeup on. Amen. People see you after TV and go, boy, you look different. I know. I look 10 years younger on TV. Amen. But you you know what? And, and, and you know what the thing was? The very next Sunday, I didn't see them. And they were gone for about three weeks. And they came back another Sunday. And wanted to meet with me again. I don't know why I met with them, but I did. And I was sitting there, and, and the guy got mad at me. He goes, I just want to know when we're going to be able to use our grace gifts. I said, brother, <clears throat> I'm big on faithfulness. And if you and your wife come to church for the next six months and be faithful, we'll see what we can do. Well, they never came back. Why? Because, because they left my friend's church because he wouldn't let them do whatever they wanted to do. If you, if you will just toe the mark where the things of God are concerned and say, Lord, I'll prove myself faithful. Right? I'm not worried about position. I'm not worried about if somebody gets to hear me preach or gets to hear me sing or gets to see what I, how good I am. I just want to be faithful. Everything that goes on in the church is about the people. It's not about what you get to do. It's not about somebody hearing your latest, greatest revelation. It's not that somebody hears the latest lick that you played on the guitar. It's about the people. Are the people getting what they need? Amen. I've had people say, yeah, but what about my, my ministry? What about my preaching? Listen, God used a donkey and a rooster. Now, whatever category we are in, whether you're in the donkey category or the rooster category, we're blessed. Notice, notice this, 1 Timothy 1, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who enabled me Now notice who enabled me, Christ Jesus. Why did he enable me? He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Counted me faithful. This is us. We are made able. We are strengthened by God because we're faithful. Because we're faithful. When you're faithful to pray, when you're faithful to seek God, when you're faithful to pray for the ministry, and you're faithful to pray for the, for the, for the things that God wants us to do, that's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. Amen. Do, 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 do you see this? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Faithful. And, I, and, I, and I've, watched, I've watched this over the years, that, that if, if people prove themselves faithful, not only does God use them, God blesses them. Things begin to change. Lives begin to change. Hallelujah. And you know, 
all of that starts with you just surrendering everything to God. Everything to Him. I'm, I'm going to surrender my life, my gifts, my callings, everything to you. And when I make that decision, everything turns around. I've been thinking a lot lately about when I got saved. I don't know if you think regularly about when you got saved. But I think about when I got saved. Yeah, I got saved very young. I, 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 you know, I didn't have a lot of sin in my past. I was a sinner because we all were. But I remember sitting in that church, Reverend A.J. Lewis was ministering, and, and I don't even remember what it was. I was only eight years old. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember he said something, and it, it, was just like, it was just like the Holy Spirit grabbed my ear. And I knew I need to get saved. I need to be born again. It wasn't a hellfire and brimstone message, but it got a hold of me. And I looked at my mother at eight years of age and said, I think I need to be saved. Amen. And I, I went to the altar under conviction, eight years of age, under conviction, and gave my life to Christ. I've never regretted that. I've never regretted that. All the mistakes in my life, I haven't been perfect, haven't spent every waking day living for God like I should, but here's the point. When I got born again, something flipped in my heart, and I realized that I'm put on this earth for more than just me. I used to play in our house, and my parents always had pastors and preachers over because they were, of course, in the ministry. I remember being 8, 9, 10 years old, playing on, on the rug around the, the preachers are talking at the table. And they were talking about the things that God was doing and what was going on in the world and the revivals they were having. And I remember thinking, being 8, 9, 10 years old, it just came up so big in me. God's got something for me to do. I didn't know what it was, but I settled it. At 10 years old, I settled it. God's got something for me to do. God's got something for me to do with my life. Amen. And it should have been obvious. My friends and I, you know, a lot of people played Fort. We played church. Now, we played Fort too. We'd get them saved and then go shoot them. Amen. But I, I, remember, I remember putting a church together. We, we got some cinder blocks and planks and put a church together and got a little podium together with some boxes and had our parents come. And our parents, God bless them, came out there, came out in the woods where we had built this in South Florida and, and sat down on those planks and, and I preached to them. Gave an altar call and I think they all got saved. <laughs> but but, 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 but here's, here's the point. I've been thinking about that. Amen. I've been thinking about that and how, how, what a blessing it is that he counted me faithful. Amen. Remember that song we used to sing in church? I never shall forget the day when the burden of my heart was rolled away. It made me happy, glad, and free. I'll sing and shout it for you every day.